I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, and Ted Wynn on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn coming to you. Uh, we're not all together because we, we got to keep our space, guys. We got to keep our space in this times, these times of... Uh, of what's turning into pretty serious talk of, of the coronavirus threat. Uh, we're hearing sporting events that are going to be played and uh, with no fans and obviously uh, locker room access uh, being cut off. Obviously, NFL is in the off season, so uh, we're not quite uh, at the point of, of kind of learning all the ramifications of, of across the NFL. But um, I guess if, if this isn't settled in a, a month and a half or so, we could have to talk about what will happen to the NFL draft, but uh, some wild times going on right now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really um, it's a lot to take in, and definitely people are getting uh, worried about it for good reason. I think the NFL, you mentioned the NFL and the Raiders, they're talking about maybe a plan B for that draft, so we'll see what happens there. But right now you got a question. You really can't have half a million people in the streets of Las Vegas for a draft. doesn't seem like a logical move at this point. Yeah, it's just better to take precautions in my in my eyes, we don't know enough about it yet. And um, obviously it, it stinks for basketball since in season and baseball right now, but uh, it's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, I think at the start of this want to complain about inconveniences, but I mean, at this point, I think if, if this hasn't affected your daily life in some way, I mean, you're, you're probably a, a rare case out there that it's not, I mean, I, way could go could you know kids could be home from school and i mean i know my wife works you know at a hospital so she's right there front line and uh you know it's pretty much impacting everybody in some way but um you know it's going to impact the sports world but i mean in in the grand scheme of things how it impacts the sports world really shouldn't matter a whole lot but let's move on and let's still talk about some sports and i mean obviously the, the number one thing that has been discussed over this offseason is the quarterback position for the Las Vegas Raiders and uh, so many rumors that are you know we've kind of identified this as as what's going to happen all offseason that rumors are going to fly and really until Tom Brady chooses the team goes back to the Patriots whatever um, there's you know and even beyond that until free agency is, is pretty much all said and done, the draft is all said and done, there are going to be rumors about Derek Carr, about the Raiders. He's, every story that people write about trade targets and players who, can, who are, could be traded, he's going to be one of the top names mentioned. What, what Vic, do you feel after after spending some time at the Combine and talking with Mayock, talking with Gruden, talking with people back there, what's your latest feel on the Derek Carr situation? Yeah, I think not only for the Raiders, but for all the teams who are, you know, supposedly interested in Tom Brady. Right now, it's a lot of posturing. You have to, like, kind of appease your current options just in case, you know, Brady stays there or goes somewhere else. Like, you hear, like, the Titans now, all we really want Tannehill, which is funny because if they really wanted Tannehill, he'd be done by now. So I just think that, and Derek Carr, again, like John Gruden, other night in Vegas, was caught saying that, you know, we love Derek Carr, check the analytics and all the stats, he's our guy, but... And Mayock was very nice about Derek and, and Indy. But, again, I mean, I think if Tom Brady is available, then that's the route you're going to go. So I think you have to keep that option open. And the ball's in his court, which it should be. He's the greatest quarterback, arguably, of all time. So definitely the ball's in his court, and teams are waiting to see what he does. And the Raiders are definitely in, in that bunch. Yeah, I think there's a lot of 
talk about upgrading from their car after last season. But I, I think just based on everything that's happened, I think the Raiders are looking at Tom Brady as the only replacement for Carr this offseason because it seems like, you know, Joe Burrow and uh, Tua are going to be drafted be- way before the Raiders draft. None of the third quarterbacks in this draft seem very appealing, and Herbert might be gone by the time the Raiders draft anyways. Um, so, and, and as far as the free agents, there's not just guys that are clear upgrades over Derek Carr besides Tom Brady. So I, I think if this Brady, if Brady doesn't go to the Raiders, the, the Raiders will be happy to go into next season with, uh, with Carr. Yeah. I mean, and what it would make sense, you know, there, there's a talk, you know, Vic's been on this for a while, you know, Marcus Mariota as a possibility. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I think if if the Raiders went that route, I mean, he's not a guy where you go in and say, "All right, we got Marcus Mariota, let's move on from Carr. We have our definite next franchise quarterback." He's a guy that makes a whole lot more sense as a guy that you bring in, and you kind of let those guys just kind of go at it and see who uh, who deserves to be the starter and kind of make it a real competition. And how will Derek respond to that? We don't know, but um, he doesn't seem like a guy that, in terms of the guys that are being talked about, that uh, you you walk in and just hand him the starting job and say, all right, let's trade Derek Carr. And he probably is bringing him in as a straight backup. You can say, you know what, he's an experienced backup. You would like his, you know, whatever. And you don't really say it's competition, but really in-house it is. Like, he's definitely going to push Derek if he comes here. But I think at the start, Gruden can say, you know what, Derek Carr is still our guy. We said all off season. We've never wavered in our support of Derek Carr. He's our guy. But you've now got a guy in there who can actually maybe make a run of that job at some point. Yeah, I think that's what would happen, too. They'd bring him as backup, but they'd be curious to see how he would perform in camp. And, you know, I think he would have to do a lot to supplant Carr. Um, but it, it would be an interesting battle that they wouldn't really call a battle right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like something like that is the prudent way to go about this. I mean, you can't just go into next year, I don't feel, uh, with with Derek Carr completely unchallenged. You know, whether it's bringing in a, a young guy that is 100% going to be his backup but might be a starter a year or two down the road, or it's bringing in a veteran that if Carr stumbles, you know, a little bit here and there, you can uh, have a guy that you can turn to and give a shot. I mean, it seems like just, I mean, and it's not to, to say that Derek Carr is a bad quarterback. He's obviously, you know, he had in a lot of ways a career here last year except for touchdowns. I mean, he is... An NFL starting quarterback, but um, in terms of, of is he a guy that can take you to the next level, can can help you beat Patrick Mahomes? I mean, he just hasn't proven that. So I think you can, if if he is your starter on, on you know week one, you still have to have found a way to have a guy that at least is a potential starter down the road for you. Yeah, I think one um, one positive with Carr is his contract is actually pretty friend, team friendly now and. You know, he's a quarterback that needs, I think, needs help. Uh, he's not one that's going to win you games or elevate a team to a certain level like some of the elite quarterbacks can. And, you know, since his, t- his contract is more team-friendly now, they, they can't afford to bring him more help. So, um, you know, I think we'll talk about it later. But, he, you know, the, the Raiders do need a number one receiver to really maximize Carr's potential. Yeah, his contract's not only team-friendly, it's also attractive for teams who might want to trade for him because now he's on a strictly pay-as-you-go contract for the next three years, which is, I think it's $19 million around there, average a year. But, you know, that that's definitely not in the top 
five or ten anymore. So I think that's a pretty good rate. I think teams who want to see what they have in Derek Carr can you can make a trade. You're not married to him. You definitely can you know, give him a chance, but you're not bound to a long-term deal. You can definitely get out whenever you want. So I think that's another reason why if they do move on, if you get Brady or they figure out another way they want to go, he would be attractive as far as trades go. All right, let's let's talk about another uh, trade rumor that's floated, been floated out there the last couple of days, and I think we have discussed in the past, you know, the possibility of moving on from Gabe Jackson. Um, what, what kind of trade market could you see out there for him? And you know, is that a guy, Vic? Uh, I'll start with you. That you think the Raiders would consider moving on from? I think it's a possibility. I'm not sure it's something they really are, are set to do. I know John uh, two weeks ago said that they're looking forward to getting him back healthy. He could be a big, a big part of their you know a resurgence with him being Kiss healthy. Kiss death, him, then he's gone. Yeah, it was 12 days ago. Him, Abram, and, and Terrell Williams, the other guy he mentioned, three guys who would come back and make a huge impact. I think the contract, I think it's due like $9 million and change. It's not guaranteed, no dead money. So I think that's why he'd be attractive for teams to trade for him. He's still very good. Last year he played hurt. But it's enough money, though, where I think you can't get too much back for him. You can't really get a high draft pick if you're, the team's going to pay $9 million for him. So I think, I'm not sure that that part of it I'm kind of shaky on. I think... Um, They've talked about they want to have this huge offensive line, a dominant offensive line. Right now, he's part of that. I know Denzel Good is fine. See, I almost said he's good, but I didn't say that. He's fine. He's fine. But I think if you really want to go in with this, the centerpiece of your offense being your old line, then go ahead and give Gabe his $9 million and, and go that route. So I'm not sure that what the value is going to be in terms of a trade. I get why the talk is out there. I know um, I know Gabe kind of thought it was going to happen. Also, he kind of anticipated his name being out there, so he's not surprised. But I mean, we'll see. I think it's one of those things where the numbers kind of make sense, but I'm not sure it makes sense in terms of the big picture and what John wants to do. Yeah, I think if they get a good offer for him, they'll they'll make the trade. But uh, I, you know, he just didn't play very well when he came back from his injury, and they the offensive line still performed well in some games. And you know, even with uh, Denzel Good replacing him, they they played well too. So he is um, he he is kind of replaceable. But if they really want to, you know, come out and have that identity of this smash mouth team. Uh, that is led by the offensive line, then I, I think keeping um, Gabe and hoping that he's healthy coming into the season will really give you a dominating offensive line and bringing back five starters uh, is huge for continuity as far as offensive line chemistry. What do you guys think is a good offer? I know they got uh, they got a six-round pick for KO last year. What, what's a good offer you think for Gabe? So what, he's originally a third-rounder. Um, I mean, the you know, if I if you recoup a third rounder after after uh, how what six years in the league or whatever, um, I mean that that's probably pretty good, right? Yeah, if they get a third rounder, I think he's gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would think I was thinking more fourth or fifth. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think a third rounder they, they probably would jump. Yeah, because I mean, and I think what is going to probably determine it is is we're going to see what happens in the first wave of free agency. I mean, if they go out and spend a lot of money and then start thinking, okay, we could use a little extra salary cap uh, space, and then you get a team that really wanted to get a guard and wasn't able to find one, couldn't acquire them, and, and gets a little more desperate. I think that's probably kind of where where this would happen is if a team doesn't get their target at guard and the Raiders just saw, you know decide that they want a little bit of extra money available to them. Um, that, that's when I think you might see a move like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, a third rounder would probably make it automatic, uh, a fourth rounder, you, you would, you know, probably, probably consider it pretty hard. I don't, I don't know that I'd, you know, trade him for a fifth rounder and, you know, it's tough call. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if they can recoup a third, maybe a fourth, um, it, it would seem like that would be a good move. 
I thought the timing was funny also because, you know, Marshall Yanda retired from the Ravens and almost immediately after gave Jackson trade rumors. So, obviously, the Ravens are a team that definitely thinks of themselves as being right there, you know, on the cusp of winning it all. So, replacing a guy like Yanda with Jackson would make sense and they have the money for it. So, I thought the timing was hilarious. Like, well, this guy's retiring. Oh, by the way, this guy's <laughs> available. <laughs> so, but whatever. We'll see what happens. Uh, some of the other news uh, from this week, uh, the expected one, Vic, uh, you, you were on top of this the whole way. We we call kind of new just looking at the contract and looking at the production and, and looking at how his uh, role was devalued late in the season, that uh, Tyre Whitehead's uh, time was, was likely done. And um, we'll, we'll always have uh, that, that moment on the podcast when he was ready to jump up and, uh, and string your neck. But uh, I, I guess you ended up being right. No, I'm not right. I mean, he's a good guy. I just... Uh... It didn't make enough plays. I mean, that's what it came down to. I think they gave him two years. They paid him a pretty decent coin. Um, you know, he's good in the community and all that stuff. But, I mean, you got to make plays. So he didn't make any plays. I think they got to find somebody who does. I just think, um, yeah, they lasted two years. It's kind of not, not surprising, but definitely that's a long time for, for no plays. So I just uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm not trying to be. Me. Not, that, 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 came, that came off wrong. That came off wrong. I'm not trying to be a, a clown, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was coming. So I think they got it. They had one linebacker. They got Markel Lee. So they got to find some more linebackers. Yeah, I mean, what was the stat from uh, Josh Jabau? Who, by the way, his his last few weeks on Twitter with Raider fans, uh, I, I've been trying to like trying to ignore it as much as I can, but that he's he's losing it with uh, with Raider fans. He is uh, the what the comparisons between Brady or between Carr and Drew Brees, but whatever. Yeah, I, I think he how, how a, can you how, how can you ignore it? It's like fifty five tweets a day. <laughs> guy's got some problems, man. Oh, go ahead. Uh, that that's really th- this podcast should have been. We should have brought together Josh and Mister McMurderer or whatever, and uh, and just let them hash it all out of the podcast. That would uh, that that have been some good audio. Um, but no, I think he had a stat on Tyre that you know most snaps among linebackers who didn't have you know a sack, an, an interception, a forced fumble. Um, I think his average tackle was something like six yards six plus yards behind the line or, uh, you know, down the field. Um, you know, it's, it's a guy that, you know, you might make tackles. You might be that hundred tackle middle linebacker, but if you're not making impact plays and you're just making tackles, you know, way down the field, you're just, that's, that's not enough in this league. And we've seen too many Raider linebackers that, uh, just don't make an impact. And, and unfortunately he ended up being another one. I think Josh made a, a miles Burris comp which is a horrible comp, but that was the comp that Josh had in one of his tweets. Um, but, yeah, so whatever. It just uh, they, don't have, they haven't done well with linebackers. I'm not sure what it is. It's, it's, it's spanned different coaches and GMs, and, uh, but there's definitely uh, there's a problem there. they got to they solve that issue. Was Miles Burris, was he on our all-decade team? No, Nick Roach was Nick Roach, that's right. That's Nick, right. Nick Roach played one year. <laughs> that's, that's how low the bar is. is. That's how low yeah. the bar is. Um. All right, well, uh, there is one option uh, at linebacker that has emerged, um, you know, word uh, today that Christian Kirksey, who was uh, just released by the Browns, uh, visiting the Raiders. And uh, any, any thoughts on, <laughs> I mean, the guy, guy gets cut by the Browns. I know I want to go grab him, right? And they have plenty of cap space. I know Raider fans are excited. I guess he had some sacks four years ago and yada, yada, yada. He's but a name, man. We wanted the, is, is he really a name? The Browns I have a lot, of cap, really. a lot of cap space. They still cut him. He's played nine games the last two seasons total. That's not good. I mean, uh, 
again, this is kind of I think par for the course with them. I think they just just draft the linebacker in the first two rounds and and that be it. But uh, they brought him in for a visit. I know he's a good leader and all that stuff that they said about Whitehead. So maybe he's better than I'm sure he's better to hear. But I mean, God, I gotta stop doing that. God, sorry to hear him. That's, that's that's terrible. But. Uh, I guess it depends on the price tag. If he's not going to be that expensive, you get a veteran guy in there, that's fine. Like I said, they only have one guy right now, Markel Lee, so you need some bodies. But I wouldn't get too excited about my guy, uh, Christian Kirksey, if I were Raider fans. Yeah, played two ga- two games in 2019. Uh, like all, all Everybody that's pushing for Kirksey so hard, how much of Kirksey have you actually watched? Ted, how much have you watched, Ted? I haven't, I have, I haven't <laughs> seen much of the guy at all. <laughs> Again, if the Browns have cap space and they're cutting you and you're the, you are a team leader, that's not good. That's just not a good sign. Again, who knows what happens, but to me that's a major, major red flag, red sirens, red everything, just red everywhere. So I wouldn't – I'd just draft somebody and, and, and do it that way. Uh, well, before we get too deep into free agency, want to just go back, revisit a little bit from uh, from the combine. Obviously, both you guys were there. Um, you know, Vic, you kind of wrote, um, you know, kind of got back the next week and kind of really uh, emptied the mailbag. All the stuff you learned. And what were your biggest takeaways? Would you say from uh, from Indianapolis? Well, I'm trying to think here. I think my biggest one, well, there are a bunch of them, but like I had thought like Javon Kinlaw was the guy at 12. I thought going into the combine, like I thought he made sense. He watched the film. He looked good. They, they, I thought it was like, I think there's like five top defensive guys in this draft. I thought you get the, whichever one's at 12, you get that guy and you get a receiver at 19. But from what I'm hearing, he didn't have a great combine. I think the Raiders weren't uh, totally um, that impressed with him. I think he's too raw for them and some other things they had issues with. So I don't see him no, anymore as an option at 12, which I think changes the way I look at the uh, at the first round a little bit. No, I was going to say, like, the number three quarterback spot just does not seem very, you know, appetizing for, for any team. Like, Love didn't interview well at the Combine, and that's something he really needed to do well with how poorly he played last season. Uh I think so, there's some teams that really love Herbert, and there's some teams that are kind of you know falling out with him. And um, yeah, I mean, Hertz play, had a good combine, but I just I just don't see it with him as a as a serious you know top how, round how, quarterback. How, how come? Like you wouldn't take him in the second round? No, not in the second round. I, I would. They don't have a second rounds. round pick. <laughs> well, they have, to, they have to trade up or trade down. But I, th- I think the plan, I mean, one of the plan, possible plans was to get him in the third round with have two third-round picks. But he did well enough where I think he won't be there in the third round. So I'm wondering, Ted, what, uh, why don't you think he can make that, that jump to the next level? He, just watching his film last season, there's just so many plays he left on the field. He, he didn't throw with great anticipation. Uh, I, I think the Oklahoma coaches had to really adjust the offense to him just because he just wasn't nearly up to par with um you know what baker mayfield did and kyler murray did uh so and i I just don't see him as athletic enough to really kind of run uh a lamar jackson type of offense as well uh so i i'm not in love with hurts and uh, you know maybe there's other evaluators likes him more than than i do but I, i i just don't see him as a legit um starting quarterback in the league 
to me, he's more of like a Dak Prescott comp. I think he's a guy you can bring in, and definitely he needs to be coached up a lot, like you said. But he's a smart kid. He's got all the arm skills you want. He's very athletic as far as getting his uh, – and being nimble in the pocket and getting out and making plays. So I think, if you know, third round to me made a lot of sense because he's a guy you could definitely develop and really spend a lot of time on. Second round, I agree, is more of a jump. But I think the Raiders like him. So I, I don't know. I mean, like you said, there are very few options as far as young quarterbacks they can get their hands on in this draft. So I think it's either him or maybe – James Morgan later later in the draft, but I mean, to me, he's a guy that kind of makes sense just in terms of what he can get in this draft, and they have definitely they have a huge need for a for a backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't bet against him because of his intangibles, but just based on a film, I, I don't love him. Oh, yeah. but I know his intangibles are amazing. You know, and what we see, I think, a lot with quarterbacks is that they're the the most. You know, the, the top two or three guys, you can usually predict they're probably going to go in the top five, top ten. But when you get to that next tier, it can get pretty unpredictable what ends up happening. Because once everybody who thinks they need a starter grabs their guy early, you know, then you then you can go a long while where teams don't grab a, a quarterback. So, I mean, a guy like him that you think might go second round, you never know if he ends up falling to the to the third round. I mean, um, you've you've seen that happen a decent amount where guys at quarterback fall a lot further than you expect just because, you know, once teams that need their starter have their guy, you know, they're 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 less eager to jump up and say, all right, we're going to get this guy to be our developmental guy and. Uh, so, and I think that could be one thing uh, that, that could allow him to drop a little bit. You never know. Um, it seemed like Mayock's kind of review, public review of Jordan Love um, likely takes him off their board, unless he's just, you know, bluffing there. But uh, to have a GM, I mean, just outwardly bring up, yeah, he throws a lot of interceptions and is very raw. Um, you know, reading off the wrist guard, you kind of see what he said about him. And unless he's just kind of trying to make sure people think that he's not interested in Jordan Love, those comments would, would seem to indicate that he's pretty much telling you that he's not interested. Yeah, I wasn't buying a lot of what he was selling. What he was selling in, in, the, in the like the whole of Derek Carr, like Derek Carr is great. People don't realize who we have, and I kind of I think he was a little too. Too over-eager with that one. I think the Jordan Love was kind of negative. I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. Then all the track record of receivers in the first round is horrible. We can't get a receiver. And again, I wasn't I wasn't buying what Maddox was selling at all. So everything he said, I kind of went the opposite way. I'm like, ah, they must like Jordan Love. <laughs> so, Jordan Love, well, we'll, number 12. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. But I, I, again, Maddox was uh, he was trying something. I, just, I, just, I wasn't buying, that's all. All right, yeah, other other big things from the combine. I know, uh, you know what, Lamarcus Joyner. They still like him at nickel cornerback, huh? Apparently, that's <laughs> kind of sad. But I mean, maybe he's not a good safety either. Maybe that's maybe, the, maybe just, that's what. Yeah. Maybe that's what we're overlooking. That maybe safety isn't the answer, but they think they can get better players around him who'll do better at nickel. But I think a lot depends on what happens in, in free agency. But right now, he's still, um, you know, I think in, I was going to say penciled in, but probably inked in as the uh, nickel uh, nickel corner. I think um, they're going to let Daryl Worley test free agency. I think Carl Joseph maybe. Um, might have more of a chance to be back because he'll be cheaper than, than Worley is. So I think he's still an option as far as maybe you can get something done. But I think both those guys probably will test free agency. And uh, I'm not too uh, optimistic that either guy will be back next year. And another guy that you are, I think, pretty well convinced now that won't be back, uh, that we thought might have a chance to be back, Vontez Perfect. Yeah, I just think that they, I mean, they would need, apparently they would need the league to tell them that they've changed their ways and that the uh, they won't just, like, jump on down his throat after one hit, which I don't see the league saying that. I don't think, I don't think the league's going to say, you know what, we've come around, he's changed, he's different, we'll give him a little more of a rope this year. So, barring that, I think it doesn't make a lot of, I think they realize this, they realize it's not 
logical to draft, to, I'm sorry, to sign a guy and go through camp and have him be your middle linebacker calling the signals, and then one bad hit and he's done. You've erased all that preparation time. You got to plug somebody in. So that's not really a smart move with your NFL team. So I think they realize that. And I think, um, barring some miraculous talk with the league, I don't think he'll be back next year. So you're telling me they won't be convinced from Vontez that he'll just say, I can change, I can be a different guy? In that story I did, uh, <laughs> the, the one-on-one, I'm not sure you get that vibe off Vontez. You don't I'm get that sh- vibe? I, can't, I, like I, got, I got the vibe that he was very contrite and he loves nah. the commissioner and that he just wants to do whatever it takes to get back in the league. I mean, now you don't, you gonna, don't think they're going to change their tone after that? I was getting a strong, like, Frank Sinatra vibe. Like, I do, it my, I do it my way. I'm doing it my way, and you can just go screw yourself. So I think that's kind of the vibe I'm getting. So, um, and again, what sucks or what's sad for him, I think, is that I this was his one team. I'm not sure anybody else takes a chance on him besides the Raiders. So if they're not going to do it, I think it could be the end for him, I think. I feel like they have to bring a, another linebacker back besides Mark Lee because they talk about how hard this defense is a master and, um, you know, None of them have mastered why. it. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, they, they, that's why they love Perfect so much because he can make all the calls and, you know, at, at least some of them have experience in, in this defense. So, you know, just, they, they, I feel like bringing totally new guys and learning this defense could be difficult. They do like Will Compton. They did, he did a good job as far as knowing the defense and plugging in. He got the green dot at the end of the year last year. did pretty well. So I think he's a guy – but he's a guy you, you don't target in the first wave of free agency. Sorry, Will, but he's not that guy. He's 30 years old, been around a little I mean, bit. He, he was knows available this. at midseason last year. That tells yeah, you. I mean, yeah, he knows all this. So I think he'll be a guy after the first wave, second wave. You know what? Here's a price we can do. We'd like to have you back. Then he says, well, he has in the market. But he's definitely an option still. They liked him. But, again, not enough to make him you know, a deal uh, – for you know, the first wave of free agency. Yeah, I mean, and when your linebackers are playing the way that they've played, you know, like I said, I joke that they haven't mastered it either, but, I mean, it, it, it might just take some guys with a fresh mind that can come in and, and kind of see things a little bit differently. And obviously just knowing the defense is not enough for for the guys that they've had in there. So, um, I mean, they, they need some serious you – know, they always are constantly revamping this linebacker crew, um, and uh, unfortunately, they are uh, especially. It wasn't likely going into the combine, but especially after the combine, there is no way they're getting Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can't imagine how. I mean, I think he'll probably go top five now. I think he was he was so electric and did well in interviews and he did everything well on the field. And his tape is really was incredible. So I just think um, the one hope the Raiders had, I think, was the quarterbacks all go up. There's a lot of great tackles in this draft. They don't, they don't want to tackle, which is good for them, but a lot of great tackles in this draft. So I think their one hope was maybe the quarterbacks and tackles push him down to the 9-10 range. Maybe he make a trade for him, but I just can't see him. He's just so good. Everyone thinks he's such a you know a unique, special, um, you know, once in a decade type player. So I can't imagine how he goes past five now. So I think that dream is uh, officially ended for the Raiders. Yeah, I you know I, I didn't really know how good he was until I started watching film for this article I'm writing about him for the Athletic, and I'm just blown away. Nice, by nice, him. nice plug. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> like, but I'm just blown away by all the things he does. Like you don't really see how good he is by watching one one film. You start watching three or four, and then you see all the different things he does, and you're just you know it, it's pretty amazing. So I, I there's no way he passes uh, top five, you know. So it, unfortunately, the Raiders don't have a chance at him. Yeah, and it's just I mean he might as good as he might be. 
they they just have so many needs that they can't really go sacrificing other draft picks, future draft picks, anything like that. They you know not having a second rounder, um, they they can't really go sacrificing other draft picks to try to move, uh, to, especially if they need to move up to the top five. I just that that's impossible, basically. Yeah, but I mean, he he does fill play three different positions or four or five different positions, so you know maybe maybe he is uh, worth it if he. Uh, it, uh, it, at one time, <laughs> that's what they need. They need a guy who can do it for one time. But uh, but yeah, you got go If he dropped to like eight or you know the eighth spot or something, would you make a trade up to get him? I think I checked. I was looking at the different like what it would take. I think if you went to eight, it probably cost you both your third round picks. You know, and and so and the, and the twelve. I mean, I think you can. That's that's a little steep. I think the, if he goes to nine or ten, it's a little more manageable. But obviously, five is just way too expensive. So I just think, uh, yeah, it's, it's still be a big move to go from twelve to eight. So, but um, I think a lot of teams now, if he fell somehow past five, forget the six or seven, I think he's that good. Teams would definitely try and trade up for him. So I think it's going to be really hard for him to even get to eight, even get to eight. All right. Well, let's talk about other free agent targets. Um, you know, wide receiver is a spot where you know they've. They've certainly discussed a lot about how much they need to upgrade at that position. Um, you know, Robbie. See my Anderson. guy, uh, my guy Robbie Anderson had a dream last night. I guess he had a dream where he and Tom Brady were on the field together, but he didn't see what color they were wearing. He didn't see the uniforms in his dream, which is that's come on, that's a little, that's a little BS. I mean, you don't see the jerseys, but whatever. But they're on the dreams can dreaming be fuzzy, about, man. Dreams can be fuzzy. They, <laughs> I can, be guess, a, they can be in black and white. You know. It was just great. Like a day ago, I think it was yesterday. He was on. He's doing all the media long, rounds. God, yeah, God long, bless long him. term deal with the Jets, right? Ah, uh, me and me and the Jets, we're in sync. We're gonna go back. Now he's dreaming about Tom Brady. So the, the Jets are gonna get Tom Brady then. Yeah, so I think he's still an option. I think I don't know how much money he's gonna get. I think that's the problem. If you start paying guys, you know, like they're. They're top tier guys, and he's not really. He's probably you know one B guy, not a one A guy. So that's the problem when you start paying guys more than they're really worth. But I think they like him. I think he'll be out there. So I think that's still very possible for them. Well, to me, Robbie Anderson and Tyrell Williams kind of have the same skill set. Like they're you know long speed guys that are more downfield route guys instead of guys that really work underneath. And um, yeah, I just don't see them as great complements to each other. Yeah, I, I mean, and here's the thing: if you have add Robbie Anderson, it, he's another kind of like you said, one B type guy, which is what Tyrell Williams really probably at his max is. I mean, is it is it better weapons? Yeah, but I mean, don't don't you at some point you need to find a guy that can can really be that true number one option. I mean, if you spend a lot of money on on Anderson in free agency after spending a lot of money and, and keeping Tyrell Williams around, it still almost feels like you have to use a high draft pick to bring in a, a really dynamic guy. Um, and, and I just I don't know that Anderson makes a whole lot of sense when I think you still you need somebody that's that's going to be the true true one A type option. Yeah, I think if they, I mean, I, I think John Morton's on their staff. He's a big Anderson guy. I think if they did this move, then they're going to say, you know what, he can be a one A guy. They're going to sell it like this. He can be a difference maker. So that's something that John's got to decide. But I think in terms of the, the free agent market, it's not great for receivers. So I think if if and John likes veteran guys, so if you're going to go and get a veteran receiver to plug in for and take the place of Antonio Brown. I think that he's the guy. So I think otherwise you draft a rookie and kind of go through growing pains. And I really don't have a sense of where they are with Jerry Judy versus C.D. Lamb. I think 
you know, Riggs makes sense because of the uh, Tyreek Hill comparisons. But I think Judy and Lamb, one of those guys will be there at 12. So that's if you want an elite guy and you, you're convinced those guys are elite, grab, grab one of those guys at 12 and, and, and go from there. Yeah, I, I love C.D. Lambs. Um, but if they don't go with the draft, um, other free agent targets might be Emmanuel Sanders, uh, A.J. Green is a possibility. I mean, they're a little what the, I mean, the word out of Cincinnati is that, I mean, Joe Burrow pretty much is demanding that A.J. Green stick around, and um, they're going to give him the franchise tag to, to make sure he sticks around, so... I don't, wow, he's making like demands. Prob- he's, not even, he's not even drafted yet. Hey, you want me to? You want me to come? <laughs> I'm, I'm, deba- I'm making demands, man. You, he's got leverage. You've got leverage when you're the uh, potential number one overall pick, or the likely, the guaranteed number one overall pick. I, I like Sanders. Wouldn't you agree that um, Anderson probably has more upside than Sanders does at this point? Yeah, I, I think Sanders does. A, I think he's a better fit schematically and I think he he does a little more than Robbie Anderson I think Robbie Anderson the potential to be more is there but Sanders is more of a sure thing all right uh what what other positions are are key I mean cornerback is has been one we've discussed a lot I mean Vic you wrote about Chris Harris Jr. the other day uh um you know Byron Jones is is another possibility of the you know more expensive possibility uh you like 16 mil that's a lot that's a lot for Byron Jones yeah you're 16 mil a year you expect them to get one of the you know four or five big names on the uh on the cornerback market I think so. I think they want to make two. My, my, my read is they want to make two splash signings, like two guys for some pretty big money in free agency. So I think you look at the market. We mentioned Anderson. We mentioned the cornerbacks. Definitely you can get one of those guys. Maybe the linebacker, Corey Littleton. But there aren't a lot of guys in terms of splash guys who really make sense for them as far as fit and need. So I think the cornerback, they really want a number one guy. They really want someone to step in and knock everybody down a peg and kind of like be the alpha male in that unit. Kind of show the, if they're so young at that position. Show the young guys how it's done. So in that sense, both Jones and Harris, you know, are very logical fits in terms of you know being impact guys come in, kind of show young guys how it's done. Um, I know Harris is more of a slot guy historically than an outside guy. We played outside last year. I think they like him at both. And Jones, I think he's good. I just I know for me, there's always a sticker shock of if if really making the guy you know that big a part of your plans going forward. If you clearly are certain he's in the elite corner, I'm not sure he is. Um, what do you guys think? What is it? Two? How, how many interceptions does he have in his career? I mean, and I two. know two, right? Two. I think it's two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I get it that you know there there's value in you know you look at Namdi Asamoah um, back in his day, nobody would throw at him, and and there's obviously value in that, but um, we all I, there's also a lot of value in a guy that can make a game changing play by uh, by forcing a turnover, and um, not that. You know, interceptions is the end-all, be-all in cornerbacks, but uh, only two is, is a little bit shocking. Yeah, I think, you know, the Daryl Worley signing never made sense to me just because he is more of a zone corner that's a little bit slower. But Byron Jones, uh, he plays a lot of press coverage. He fits what uh, Gunther wants in his defense. He's younger. He doesn't have a lot of picks, but like you said, he just doesn't get thrown to a lot. Uh, and and he's, he's a good age for you to give him a big contract. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. is a little older, but he he's been a blue chip player in this league for a, a, a long time. But obviously, you know he he's he might give you two three good years, and um, you know he, he is getting a little older. And uh, you know I think there somebody tweeted out that Darius Slay might be one of the Raiders backups if they can't get Jones too. And, and Slay has been a you know really good player in this league for a long time as well, but he he's older too. 
but he he fits the scheme. He plays a lot of press coverage. Um, so yeah, I, I I like Jones as the the best option for the Raiders. I think he's just a really good scheme fit, and he's he's young, and I think he could get better. Yeah, I mean, I can see him be aggressive. Give him the give him the big check, give him the blank check you gave Trent Brown last year, and you 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 solve one of your biggest needs. And again, the money is not really that important. I mean, money is money. I mean, they have all this salary cap space. I'm not sure they can spend it all. So, go big, go big. If you believe he's the guy, go big, and then and go from there. All right. Any other uh, big targets you guys can see? Uh, you know, for that for that initial wave, guys that they just want to just throw that that blank check out at and just say, hey, the the minute that the uh, the tam- legal tampering window opens, uh, within five minutes we've got word leaking that this guy's coming to Las Vegas. Well, the guy I mentioned was Littleton, the linebacker from the Rams. I mean, he makes a lot of sense as far as impact linebacker. I still, they never paid a linebacker big money, so I think he'll, he'll, he'll cost a lot. But if you've decided that's what you want to go, he can cover, he can blitz, he can do a lot of things. He's very versatile. I think they like the Rams coaching staff. They're familiar with those guys pretty well, so he'd be a decent fit that way. But I just don't know I mean, if they're going to really jump and, and pay a linebacker after all these years of not doing it. But um, – He's clearly an option for those elite guys we're talking about in, in this class. Yeah, I, I think uh, Anthony Harris, a safety from the Vikings, could be a potential Raider target. I think he's a, a playmaker. I think he's an impact player that played in a very similar system in um, Zimmer's defense. And and the Raiders have a need there. Uh, so I, I think that – and Zimmer already pretty much came out and said they're not going to resign him. So um, I, I think he could be maybe one of those surprise free agents – all right. Well, next week is uh, should be a fun week. I mean, it's you know. It's, oh yeah, it's, it should be great. It, it's one. It's one of those. <laughs> it's gonna be great. I mean, Monday it, morning. It's, it's tags. It's one of Go those ahead. weeks that Raider fans get to get excited about at least, right? I mean, it's ideally you'd, be, you'd rather be in a position where you're not having to attack free agency. Uh, you know, but it, it, it's it's a it is the one time a year where you can you build up hope that okay we we got Trent Brown that's going to be the anchor for us we got Tyrell Williams that's you know it, it it's a chance to to be hopeful um, if you're a Raiders fan which over the last twenty years it's been hard to be hopeful for them. That's good. That's a good point. Amen. We need hope is always good. Hope is these good. times are tough. Hope is good. Hope is good. Yeah. Uh, and then they have money, and you know this is the first time that they're going to have that advantage of no income tax and the attraction of Vegas. So it, it is an exciting time. Not for me. I was going to be some sleepless nights for me, and uh, for Jimmy, he's going to wake up with you know three thousand word uh, drafts to edit. So it's it's going to be hard on us, but it's an exciting time for Raider fans. All right, guys. Well, I think that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. We will be back at some point after the first wave of free agency once uh, things We'll be back down. At, the, uh, at the Tom Brady press conference. The Tom Brady <laughs> press conference. All right. And Robbie Anderson. See, where will that be? Will that be in Alameda? Will they set up shop somewhere in, in Vegas? Or will it just be on Skype because we can't all get together? Ooh, and uh, yeah. and uh, it'll just be a conference call and They'll have him set set up in an office somewhere with the uh, you know live stream cameras so people can take some photos and uh, get some video. But who knows where this world is going right now? But um, you know, a, a week from now we'll have a better idea of, of where Tom Brady's headed and where the Raiders are uh, are going in free agency. So uh, we will we'll get back together with you guys sometime after the first wave of free agency and uh, and discuss all the moves the Raiders have or have not yet made. All right, guys, take care. All right, talk to you later.